0: sunday night edition of the crash the pond podcast guys october came and went that happened so fast jake i don't know how you feel about it but it is november 1st the the time has moved back so we got an extra hour today to to do this show to break down some topics that our awesome listeners have submitted to us so there's a lot to get into here but are are you ready for the the last 2 months of 2020 were we're almost yeah, done yeah
1: and just what we all needed more time in 2020 just just more time just gave us an extra <laughs> hour you know that that's what we all wanted right
0: <laughs> well hopefully and i'm i'm hoping this is true for everyone but 2020 has been largely fine for yeah, me i fine. feel really lucky haven't haven't had employment be affected haven't had too much you know outside of working from home things of that nature so If you if you have been affected negatively, you know, we're pulling for you and hoping that these last, you know, 60 or so days will will be smooth for you and hopefully better things ahead in 2021.
1: Yep. Hopefully. Definitely. Definitely. Definitely on that on that front. And if you have been affected by this, our thoughts go out to you. And hopefully uh, this little podcast and help uh, help you get through your day, help you find a little fun, have a little uh, thoughts about the Ducks. Hopefully hockey
0: coming back soon. Hopefully so. Um, Right. So the big thing in October was we had the NHL draft and we had the beginning, well, we had free agent frenzy. And both those things have passed. The Ducks have kind of made their moves, making some interesting choices, obviously, in the first round and taking some home run swings later in the later rounds. And in free agency, we found out very clearly that the Ducks are looking to be a win now team. They signed Kevin Shattenkirk. And they brought back Derek Grant and all of a sudden the the rebuild slash retool, whatever you would like to call it, is over effectively. The, the Ducks have made their yeah. moves and they're looking to get back into the playoffs, which I will just say, and I think we already talked about this maybe last week. I The more I've thought about it, the more it doesn't make a lot of sense because of the way you look at the how this team has performed over the last three years. I just don't really understand what... Bob Murray has seen in this roster that he thinks it can make this big jump next yeah. season now that being said there is a possibility that, that can happen i'm not ruling it out but that's uh that's what we've got to talk about here today in a way
1: yeah and uh i think we talked about it actually a lot on the patreon episode for anyone that's a patron out there and wants to go hear our in-depth thoughts about kind of the roster a lot of different things like that go check out that episode i think that was a really really good one um that we went through so go check that out i think that was that was the Patreon episode, right? We've done a we've done a couple of podcasts. Yes, this past week. we
0: we went we went very in depth. Yes, <laughs> on that episode, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the the state of the of the franchise and the ducks. So, yeah, if you're not currently a patron, I would definitely recommend checking that out, and we'll get into more of how you can do that later on in the show. But we did get uh, a few questions, a few topics to talk about. But one thing that was submitted to us. Jake, do you have who specifically submitted to us for the list of forwards?
1: Uh, yes. So that was sent to us by C.Jordan in the Discord chat for our Patreon. So he sent mm-hmm. us, it was a screenshot. I'm not quite sure where the picture actually came from, but it was linking to uh, Lyle Richardson, um, dot, uh, dot net is the website that had it. Basically, it's Lyle Richardson speculating on top of what uh, Eric Stevens recently said in a mailbag. Eric Stevens in a recent mailbag basically uh, was asked who he saw as a potential trade target for the Ducks. And the due to the fact that the Ducks had interest in Kasperi Kapanen. Um, and I guess supposedly they also have real interest in Tyler Johnson. Um, he was purely speculating that maybe the other option that they could go and look at is some short term uh, free agents or guys that would be signed to shorter term contracts. And the possibilities he listed are Mikhail Groundland, Eric Halla, Anthony Duclair, uh, Andres Athanasiu. So I think that group of four is a very interesting group of four that all kind of represent different types of talent that will be on different types of contracts. And So I think going through each of them real quick um, to kind of understand what each of those players are is a very good decision. And I think that's what we're about to do. Um, And so, yeah. So you want to kick it off?
0: So one thing I do want to preface in all of this is just a. Overall, philosophically, do you think that the Ducks should be looking to add players of this ilk, or just or should they still be looking to add to their roster, given that their team is pretty much set in a way?
1: Yeah. I, I think the fact that the third li- or the fourth line is probably going to be the players that are there, I think my gut reaction mm-hmm. is, well, no, they probably shouldn't look to add because in reality, they have enough players on this roster. I mean, you and I built out our ideal Ducks roster. I can't remember if that was the Mm -hmm. Patreon or the last uh, main podcast, but um, we were able to do that without utilizing the fourth line as it's currently constructed, as it probably is going to be constructed for the Ducks. Um, With -hmm. that being said, that shows you the depth of talent that the Ducks have. So I, I think the short answer is no, I would not. The longer answer, though where i'm a bit conflicted on this is that of course yeah
0: there's always a long answer there is
1: you know we do a podcast for a reason felix
0: no i i i'm not i'm not being snarky Uh, it's just funny um
1: (laughs) is that i don't think it's a bad idea to sign one of these guys to one year deal the main reason i say Mm -hmm. that is if the ducks are bad which there is a possibility the ducks are bad um they are able to then flip one of these guys and they could if this player let's say for instance i don't know uh, Anthony DeClaire, they signed him to a one-year deal. He ends up having a great season. The Ducks are still bad. They're able to flip him for for picks, prospects, whatever they want at the deadline. And he's able to go to a team that is a contender. He's now proven kind of what he did last year wasn't a fluke. Um, and he can benefit from it. The Ducks can benefit from it. So I think from that context, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And also, I mean, the Ducks are lacking high-end talent. So if you can get a guy, I think Mikhail Granlin is maybe the only player in this group that I would consider to be a potential high-end talent type of player. Having said that, getting Mikael Grandland on a one year deal is not very likely when Evolving Hockey hasn't projected to be signing a seven year deal uh in free agency. So
0: who knows mm-hmm. where the market but that's, ends up? Th- that that seems a little unlikely True. though at this but point I, when she's when she agrees. Maybe,
1: I mean, and maybe that's a reason why he signs a one year deal is he views this year's free agency mm-hmm. market as being crap. And he wants to right. give himself one year to prove it and come back to free agency next summer when potentially there's more money to be thrown around and get a much bigger contract next summer. So maybe that's the exact type of player the ducks will be looking at. But I mean, the question is, is Grandland going to want to come to the ducks or is he going to want to go to a cup contender? Maybe the ducks are a better fit for him because he's going to get fr- uh, first line minutes and can maybe shine with, with that happening. So I think mm-hmm. there is a realm of possibility where it's not a bad idea, especially as a free agent where you're not giving up any future assets or any draft capital, anything like that, to, to get these guys. But there is the the conversation that has to be had of the Ducks are in a cap bind. And that's important to, to note yes. in this situation of there's not just a bunch of cap space to play with where you can give a guy a one-year deal and not worry about it this year. The Ducks are tied against the cap, and so they don't really have a whole lot of money to throw around. And if they are to sign one of these guys, either it has to be a really cheap deal. Keeping in mind, they still have to sign a backup goalie, um, or they need to move money out. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. that that is the con- consequence right. of signing one of these guys.
0: Well, a lot of people might ask you, but what about long term injured reserve when the season starts? So what what would you say to that? My
1: response to that is it's an option it's definitely an option and i mean let me let's just pull up the the ducks cap sheet because i think that's an important thing to have in front of me while i'm doing this but so the ducks are currently at uh projected <laughs> cap hit of 82.42999 uh uh cap hit with a cap ceiling the cap ceiling is what 81 and a half right um is, right. is that correct 81 and a half uh yeah yes and, that and is so correct. the ducks are currently <laughs> over the cap by about 1 million um and they're going to be able to use long term injury reserve um to be able to essentially get full relief from Ryan Kessler's deal of 6.875 so they're going to be able to go over by about another 5 million the issue with that is it's not this get out of jail free card like some a lot of people people like to think it is there's there's a whole lot more uh, complexity to it um it depends on when you put the contract on LTIR the ducks could do it right now and just get that space there are some negatives to that. They could wait to do it to the start of the year, but then they have to become cap cap compliant um, with that deal and basically send some guys down to make it work and then uh, put it on and they can call some guys up. But the issue with that is you now no longer can accrue cap space. And I think that is the biggest negative to using LTIR. And when I say that is th- this is really getting into the nitty gritty of it, but we're in the off season, so it's the perfect time to do it. Um, do it do it every the way that you have to understand cap space is that it accrues over time so every team throughout the start of the year starts with 81 and a half million dollars in cap space and every single day that goes by part of that is eaten up by the players cap hit because cap hit is on a per day basis and so that's why you'll see guys get sent down and called back up uh, a day apart because the teams are really trying to uh, pinch their pennies, send a guy down for a day. We saw this with Jay Theodore years ago um, with the Ducks. And in that way, they can accrue. Basically, they're not going to have the daily cap accrual for that guy for that day. And that can add up in the long run. And at the trade deadline, you may end up with a fair amount of cap space that you've accrued by doing that that gives you some flexibility where otherwise you wouldn't by doing that. The issue with using long-term injured reserve is that even though, yes, you are technically under this elevated cap, you are not actually accruing any space unless you are under 81 and a half million. If you are under the 81 and a half million, then you are accruing cap space. And so basically you are losing all of that flexibility at the end of the season. And the other issue of it is a lot of the rookies, a lot of these guys, they have bonuses built into their contracts. And even some of the older guys, like I mean, Corey Perry had a bunch of bonuses in his contract. The bonuses don't come into play with a cap it. The, the bonuses come into play after the season. If the team has accrued enough cap space where the, the bonuses will fit under the salary cap for that year, then you're great. If it then goes over, then you have an overage that will go towards the next season. And so the issue here is if you're using LTAR, that means you're over the cap. That means you have no accrued cap space at the end of the year if let's say Trevor Zegras plays on the Ducks, let's say for instance, he wins rookie of the year. There's a massive bonus uh, associated with that. The Ducks will then have to carry a cap hit next year for that. It will not be left to this season. And so while yes, there is LTIR, as you can understand from what I'm saying now is it's not simple. There's a whole lot of negatives to Mm -hmm. it that if you can avoid it, that is the route you want to go. And so you don't want to go out and sign a guy under the assumption well we have LTIR we're going to be able to use this let, let's let's go into that all this of stuff the only teams that really can can go a, a, ahead of that or use that methodology is um is a team like the Maple Leafs the these teams that really are can make use of penny pinching in a lot of different ways that a uh, a second a small market team like the Ducks can't
0: right Well, I think that that's a really good point and uh, something that's really important to explain that I feel like we've done in the past, but especially with the Ducks now being against the cap, which they haven't been in, I don't know, maybe over a year. It's been a little while. Um, We're up against the cap. I think it's important to note that a lot of people do seem to think that this is just a, like you said, a, a get out of jail free card, and it's very clearly not. No, so it's it's a def- good job there to explain. Yes. It. <laughs> and
1: by the way, if anyone has questions on that, I'm in no way an expert on it. But that is my understanding from doing a lot of different research into it. The LTIR is not specifically laid out in the CBA. It's something that I've listened to a couple different podcasts. I've had guys that I believe, um, what was it, General Fanager? that was the, the website that predated cap friendly. Yes. Um, the guy that ran that RIP, the guy that ran that website was on the Steve Dangle podcast a a long, long time ago, um, before he left to, before he was hired by Vegas, um, to be their cap guy actually. And, um, I remember him talking about that LTIR and kind of how that works and with the overages. And that was something that really stuck with me about it. And the fact that it's not this get out of jail free card. So, but if you have any questions, feel free to DM me about it. Um, I can definitely provide some insight there.
0: Well, also, just look at it this way: if you're someone that you know is trying to understand what this is all about for LTIR, just go to CapFriendly's uh, LTIR FAQ page, and you will see very quickly that it is not a simple thing. There, there's an equation that you have to go through just to figure out how much relief you can actually get. So. Yeah, the the cap friendly FAQ page is really awesome. I think anyone who's a kind of a diehard fan and who wants to understand more of how the cap works, uh, you can learn a lot by going through that FAQ. So let's get into that list of forwards, though, shall we? So this is obviously not a reported list. This is just names that would potentially make sense for the Ducks to pursue. Now, as Jake has already laid out, the Ducks already have these guys in theory. They have guys that they are hoping to see take a next step, kind of you know, wild cards in a way. A Sonny Milano comes to mind. A Danton Heinen comes to mind. And then even some of the younger players like Max Contois, Troy Terry, Max Jones, all of these guys are in some form or fashion relative unknowns. We, we need to see them take that next step. And so a lot of the guys that we're about to talk about they don't, they're not necessarily unknowns, but they are a bit of wild cards. And, and the Ducks already have those kind of players. And so I don't know if it completely makes sense for the Ducks to to, to dip into that again. But given the fact that you never know who's going to take a step forward, who's going to take a step back, who's going to stagnate, it doesn't hurt to have as many kicks at the can as possible. I, I don't think that that's a bad thing by any means. So if they bring in an Eric Howlett or an Anthony DeClaire or whoever at the very least you're giving yourself an additional possibility that you could have someone who breaks out in your lineup. Yeah. And and, that, and that's, and and if it's on a cheap deal, like you mentioned earlier that you can get out of, well then even better.
1: Yeah. And I think, yeah. And I think if you can then trade them for, for extra pieces, if the team is bad, that's great. That That's exactly what you want to do. And I remember, I think it was the Maple Leafs a couple of years back when they knew they were probably going to be bad. Now, granted that goes against really the, the thought process of Bob Murray uh, saying the team's in win now mode but if you're able mm-hmm. to flip a guy to get pieces you're able to help him resurrect his career get into a better spot different things like that it's a win-win situation and the the ducks and bob murray can play it off right now as being well this is a guy that helps us uh, uh helps us right now makes us better right now and if they really do want to they can use it to help them in the long run also
0: right but keep in mind though the ducks do don't have cap space right now. Yep, that, <laughs> they are over the cap. That, so that is the
1: issue with all of this, and why. <laughs> uh, to me, right. a trade. A, if the Ducks are looking to sign any of these guys, someone has to get moved out. It's really that simple, right? To
0: me. Mm-hmm. So let's let's just go through the list. Let's start with Mikhail Granlund. So he is a free agent. He's 28, and he's going to be 29 in February of, of the coming season. Was a ninth overall pick in 2010. So, how do you feel about this name landing on the list? You know, he was just on a four year, or sorry, a three year, $5.75 million deal. As you listed or as you laid out earlier, he's projected to get a bigger deal, although I think that's probably out the window by now probably. if he hasn't signed yet. So, what do you make of Mikael Granland?
1: Uh, with Mikael Granland, I honestly, it's a little shocking, I think, to see his name on the same type of list in the concept of a guy that will be signed to a short, cheap deal. Cause I mean, this is a guy mm-hmm. that was a first line center for, for the Minnesota wild for years. And it's not as if he's that old. I mean, let me just double check, uh, how his age, but I believe he's he's, he's 20. Yeah, he's 28. So he's in his prime right now. These are his prime production years. Yes. He had a little bit of a down year with, uh, with, uh, uh, Nashville, Nashville. last year, but this is not a bad player. And so, I mean, if you can get Grandland on a cheap deal for, or not even cheap deal, but a couple million for a year, 3 to 5 million in that range for a year. A, a prove a deal for him after his bad year in Nashville. Um and now granted his bad year in Nashville wasn't even that bad. Per uh, evolving hockey's gold replacement, he was 3.1 GAR for the Predators last year, but this is a guy that with the Wild was fantastic and he's a guy that let me just double check, but I believe that he drove play uh, pretty well and towards the other team's net yeah has had a uh, national last year 51% expected goals four percentage in Minnesota two years ago 57.5% expected goals four percent goals four percentage so he's a guy that's pretty good and so I really don't have a bad thing to say about him I think he would be a great signing for the team I think the only issue is he kind of fits into that age bracket of guys that are starting to be at the uh, end of their prime age and prime production years. So do you really want more of those guys in, on your team? If you are trying to make the playoffs now, the answer to that is yes. If you're trying to mm-hmm. make this team better for the long run, you won your deal. Sure. But if this mm-hmm. becomes a multi-year deal, big money contract, then it could be an issue.
0: So the thing with Mikhail Granlund that is interesting is that for example last year he was he was kind of more of a defensive specialist for the the Predators. He wasn't really he wasn't really dominating play offensively. He was still driving expected goals and that's what you want, but he was the way he was getting there was really by when he was on the ice the his, the opposition was being shut down. Now he's a good shooter. And if you look more at the last three years of his career, uh, you you see that he's he's more than what he showed last year offensively. And even still, I mean, he had thirty points in sixty three games, or and with seventeen goals. That's those are still yeah. fine, you know, respectable numbers. And then the year before, in Minnesota, well, when you combine his his tenure in Minnesota and Nashville, he had fifty four points, right? And that was in seventy nine games. So he's He's a fine producer, and I think that he does drive play well at 5-on-5. Five five. Now, he he might not necessarily be a guy that's going to really improve the Ducks power play. If you look at how he performed last year in Nashville, what's interesting is that he fell off from being a really good power play player in the, in the previous years in Minnesota especially to being kind of more of a, a lower half of the league power play producer. And I think that part of that, of course— these stats that we're looking at try to isolate for individual performance, but the Nashville power play is notoriously bad. And they notoriously really try to use their defensemen to, to drive that. And And why wouldn't you when you have Roman Yossi, but Grandland, if you look at more of the tracking data is a, an, an excellent passer. And I don't think you can have enough of those guys in mm-hmm. your lineup. And if they're sound, if they're sound defensively, then he's a guy who in theory would make the ducks roster better. Now, <laughs> I don't necessarily know where you slot him in because like we talked about in the beginning of all this, the Ducks kind of already have their lineup set. They yeah. already have enough names, but he is a guy who, I mean, right now is definitely better than a Sam Steele. And so if you're, it, and he might even be better than Ryan Getzloff right now. And so if your goal is to make this team better for the now, well then yeah, Mikhail Granlin probably makes sense. I have no idea in hell how you afford him. But he makes sense. If,
1: let me ask you this. If you somehow shipped out mm-hmm. Adam Henrique and then sign, and got whatever you got back, you didn't get a center back to to fill that role, and then you went and signed Mikel Granlund to take that spot. Do you think that regardless mm-hmm. of looking at the, the whatever the Ducks got back for Henrique, but assuming they got something of value back, if they got something of value mm-hmm. back plus Mikel Granlund, is that better than Adam Henrique?
0: Uh, Adam Henrique was Adam Henrique so. was
1: valuable to the Ducks last year. Let's, yeah. let's be clear with that. Yeah. As much as we we keep I, I saying think, maybe they should look yeah. trade him, that, that's not ignoring the fact that he was probably one of the Ducks' best forwards last season.
0: Well, you could argue that Adam Henrique was better than Mikhail Granlin last season. So, I mean, there's a there's a definite case to be made there. He was a better producer, but some of the underlying numbers were were better. The age, sure, he is two years older, but I, Again, the idea is to win now, right? Yep. If we're if we're if we're isolating our analysis to that, uh, I think shipping out Adam Henrique probably doesn't make sense anymore, right? Yeah, I mean, the, and, unless unless you're getting something back of great value. I mean,
1: I may say that I think I do think that I think a swap of Adam Henrique for Mikael Granlund, I think maybe the production may not be there, or maybe that's where you you would argue. Well, then you should just keep Henrique. I think Granlund makes the mm-hmm. Ducks a better team, though. Um, than Adam Henrique does overall in terms of five on five play. I think if you compare the two, I'm looking at the RIPM charts right now. And while mm-hmm. last year, and this is kind of where the big concern would come in mm-hmm. last year was not great. And you could say last year Adam Henrique mm-hmm. was the better player, but I think now if, you see it. If you look at the trend
0: <laughs> and Adam Henrique did that on a terrible yes. team.
1: If you look at the trend over multiple years, though Mikhail Grandland is the better player sure. at five on five. And so, you're banking by making that move you're banking on Mikhail Granlund becoming what he was in Minnesota and that's a risk it's 100% a risk and so if you're the ducks maybe you don't take that maybe you you kind of stick with what you have but well also
0: but but there is a possibility that Granlund could break back out mm-hmm. because he's still in that window yep. of prime production and and so if you got it's just kind of a tough it's a tough bet to make is all i would say yep.
1: but if if you got something of importance back for Ada Henrique and then you also have Mikhail Granlund. I think that that's a better, uh, better situation for the Ducks. Okay, especially if, you know, if Granlund's on think, a cheap deal, yeah, or not cheap but short deal. If it's
0: a one or two year I, deal I, at I don't five have, mil, yeah, I don't, I don't have any issue with with what you're saying. Personally, I think that if you're trying to be really good next season, you probably want to keep Adam Henry, yep, But I agree we you could you could de- you could definitely make the point that he may take a step back next season whereas Mikhail Grandlin is probably either going to hold at where he is or maybe you know burst back out a little bit yep. so he's a guy that I would be curious to see on the Ducks but I I just don't know how they're going to make it happen because of what he could command salary wise yep exactly so and and he's not even a guy who's he's not even a guy who's projected to make a a ton of money i mean you know in a normal environment he's projected for seven like we talked about six point five million as his as his cap hit and that's not enormous right i mean it's 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 kind of second line center money so yep it will be interesting but i he's got to be interesting okay what about eric howler let's talk about that another name on this list so eric howler is actually older than Mikhail grandlin which in my mind I don't know why, but I, I assumed it was flipped. I think Eric Hall um, just so broke Eric...
1: out a lot later and feels like granlund has been around forever and Halla has not. And so Holland mm-hmm. in, in my head, almost feels like this younger player from that aspect. But, I mean, pure age-wise, you're right. He is older than Mikael Grandland.
0: He's, tw- he's 29. Mm-hmm. He's 29. He's going into... He's going to be 30 in March. And he has one excellent season to his name, and that was the first season in the Vegas Golden Knights history where he had 29 goals in 70 in 76 games regressed pretty intensely <laughs> the, the season after. I mean, he, he was injured, right? 50. He only had two goals in 15 games. And then last year for the Carolina hurricanes who took a bet on him, he had 12 goals in 41 games and then didn't score after being traded to the Florida Panthers. So evolving hockey has him projected at, let's see here at four four years times 4.2 million in terms of his cap hit. And I don't see a situation where he commands that kind of salary. Uh, This is the kind of guy who gets squeezed out. I think in this marketplace, but let's, let's dive into the player a little bit. So if you, if you look at Eric Howla, I mean, he's, he's a guy who at least looking a lot at last season, wasn't very good. I mean, he's good at driving offense, right? He's, he's above average offensively at five on five, but that is almost it. He's a good shooter. He can he can get his own he can get shot. He can produce goals. But he is not a guy who's going to really do much of anything else for you. He's below average defensively. Yep. Doesn't make your power play better. Doesn't make your penalty kill better. So, I mean, what do you think about that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of the issue here is that, I mean, he doesn't really do anything a whole lot different than what the Ducks already have in their bottom six. Um, he kind mm-hmm. of fits in with kind of, Derek Grant and, and that kind of thought process there. of Not that great in his own zone. Can put up a couple goals here or there if his shooting percentage is high, but has the ability to do that. Um, and, and I don't really know necessarily where he fits. I mean, he's a guy that I believe played center a little bit here and there, but also can play on the left side. And, and so I just mm-hmm. don't know where the fit would be there um, with this Ducks roster. We we kind of know the fourth line is kind of set, or we, we think the fourth line is set. Who knows if that's actually how it's going to play out. Um, But it, you would think that the Ducks would want to get Max Jones or Max Comtois playing time on that third line, one of those two. And if Eric Hall came in and played that side, it it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. With Granlin, you can see a bit of a fit there because of he has the history of the high-end play. He was a first-line center in Minnesota. He, he The Ducks are a team that lacks having that high-end skill. And while Granlin had issues last year there is that high-end skill still there though and if he can somehow mm-hmm. tap back into it the ducks could benefit from it haula i just don't really necessarily see the benefit in signing him i, I don't know what he would do for this duck team that's different than what they already have
0: well the thing with haula also is that his game really fluctuates year to year yep. there are years where he's an offensive type guy where he's he's driving play the other way and and then there are years where he's a defensive specialist and who can contribute on on special teams. And the iteration that we've seen in recent history is more so of a guy who's going to get you some offense but isn't really going to do much of anything else. And sure, if you can get him on a very cheap deal right, so that he can recoup some of his value and then go seek out that contract, maybe if he breaks out on the fourth or third line mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I think the Ducks are better off with an Eric Howla than a Nick Delorier or a Carter Rowney, right? I think we can agree on that. That if yeah. they got him on a f- on, on fourth third to fourth line money, although he is he is essentially a second liner, but I just don't know if if you're going to be able to get him on that type of money, given even given the, the Ducks cap constraints and the way that the current market is. So he's a guy who, at the right price, I would be curious about, but. Assuming that he can get anywhere close to what he's projected, he's a guy who would probably, I would probably—I wouldn't be looking to make room for him essentially. Yep. Which I, probably, which probably doesn't make sense because it's not as if the Ducks are bereft of, uh, of you know, the the these the, these skilled guys up and down the lineup where they can just, well, you know, they already have all these skilled guys.
1: That, that's <laughs> kind of my point, though. I don't necessarily. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong here, but I don't view Hollow as being that. Um, I view mm-hmm. Granlund as being that where maybe you make that, you you kind of make space for him because of that. I don't know if I see Eric mm-hmm. Hall being in that same vein. Maybe I'm a little bit off with that that assessment and that determination, but I view him as a bottom six guy, and mm-hmm. the Ducks have plenty of that. The The Ducks have plenty of that within the system. The Ducks have plenty of that on the roster currently, and so it's not as if this is a guy that really fills a hole that the Ducks have been missing for a while, um, especially if he's able to find his game. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm.
0: So, I don't know. so, yeah, he's, he's a guy I'm not too interested in. Just for the sake of transparency, though, I used the word bereft incorrectly. I meant flush with talent. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Uh, okay, do you want to talk about Anthony DeClaire? Sure. Because he's a guy whose name we... It seems like we've heard about over and over it, it's in definitely, terms of a, a, of a potential fit for the Ducks.
1: It's definitely been thrown out there because I think... I mean, let me let me get your take on this. Do you think Anthony Duclair hasn't signed yet because no one wants him or do you think he hasn't signed yet because he's uh he's asking for too much?
0: I would say that the latter is causing the former. Okay. So <laughs> So, I think I think that he he's I mean, he had a very I mean, let's just talk about Anthony Duclair here for a, a mm-hmm. quick second, but he's he's 25. He just recently turned 25, so he's still He's still young, and he just had a career year where in Ottawa playing, you know, I don't know how much of this you can really attribute to him given that it was such a bad team and he was kind of there given the opportunity. But nevertheless, he had 23 goals in 66 games, 40 points, and it was a breakout year for Anthony Duclair who has shown some promise in the past. You'll recall in his... His first full season in the NHL with the Coyotes, he had 20 goals. Yeah. But that was back in 15-16. Evolving Hockey has him projected at, you know, a bridge deal, essentially, two times 3.5. But that was before he was renounced by the Senators. And so I don't know what he would fetch on the open market now, but I would assume that he's probably looking to eat into some of his UFA years or get a rich uh, bridge deal. What what do you think? Of, what do you think is asking prices right now?
1: I would think he's probably asking for five. I think he's probably asking for a bridge mm-hmm. deal, maybe two years. At, I mean, evolving hockey is predicting five. him at at three point three five. I would bet kind of uh, as a guy because well, the a, thing as is, a guy who just scored twenty three goals, mm-hmm. he's probably going to be asking for in the five range. That that's probably what he's asking. That's probably the holdup there, honestly.
0: Hmm. Well, so one thing that I guess I should clarify with with uh anthony duclair so just to get this right he was not qualified by the senators. yes i believe that is the case he was not so he was not given a qualifying so, offer so we don't really have to consider then the bridge deal because he's just a free agent he's a ufa correct but oh right I
1: get what you're, well the bridge deal would be mm-hmm. him uh, it,
0: trying to recoup Trying to get back into the market sooner, correct. When things kind of settle correct. down, yeah. Exactly.
1: That I, I think. Yeah, be- I think bridge deals mm-hmm. this year make a whole lot of sense for a whole lot of players because the the aspect of the market just not being good, um. And, and so there's mm-hmm. a whole lot there that uh, maybe they want to do. I do find it interesting though that the Senators did not, uh, that they didn't qualify him because his last contract. I mean, the qualifying offer wouldn't have to have been huge, but. I mean, they probably didn't want to take him to arbitration because, or he didn't. Uh, he, they kind of knew if he would have gone to arbitration, he probably would have won, um, mm-hmm. and so uh, they probably would have had to have paid a certain, pretty fair amount due to that. So, getting back to the whole point, um, Anthony Duclair is a good player. He's a guy that would provide the Ducks some high-end talent. I'm looking at RAPM charts right now, and the main issue with him is in the past three seasons. Basically, when he's on the ice, the team is not great in terms of uh, defense. The The puck mm-hmm. goes the, the – there's a whole he's, lot of high quality – No, he,
0: he's awful defensively. Yes.
1: <laughs> there's a whole lot of high quality chances going the other way, a whole lot of shots going the other way. Basically, what everyone thought of Daniel Sprong defensively is mm-hmm. what Anthony Duclair actually is defensively. I think, I think that's right. a fair and, statement and- to make. But –
0: yeah, if you look, go
1: ahead. Here's the big butt of all of it. He drives offense mm-hmm. in a way that while it doesn't fully offset his defensive or his, uh, his issues in his own zone, his lack of defense, he drives offense in a way and creates his own shots and gets his own goals in a way that the Ducks don't really have. And the fact of the matter is right. he's 25 years old, and while we do have a history of his defensive game being suspect and – it's been suspect in a lot of different locations with a lot of different coaches. He is still young enough where that could potentially become better, or you can insulate him with what specific type of players that can benefit him in that situation. I right. think putting him on a line with maybe a Jack Silverberg could help and uh, different things like that. So um, because he is a left wing, so you can play him on the left side, Jack Silverberg on the other side. And that helps out significantly with that aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. And so he's a guy that could be a very interesting uh, person for the Ducks to target due to that.
0: No, and, and I, I do agree with that. And I think that the thing with, would you agree that of the three players we've discussed so far, he has the highest upside?
1: Yes, and I think that's partially due to age, partially due to talent.
0: Exactly, because what we see with Anthony Declare, as you've already laid out, is that he is awful defensively. I, I mean, there's there's kind of no other way to put it. You know, looking at last season, he was in the fourth percentile in terms of even strength defense defense by goals above replacement. So he is he's not good. Fourth percentile is very, very low. Um, But he is above average offensively. And what we've seen with him is he has an ability to outperform his shot rates. That he's a very good finisher, a skilled shooter. And those are those. I mean, let me ask you this: how how wide of a gap is there? And I may get hate from this, but I don't care. How wide is there of a gap between Anthony DeClaire and Patrick Line? Because to me, Anthony DeClaire is the poor man's Patrick Line. A guy there, who there's sucks a big defensively. Gap. There's a big gap. Well, well, yeah, obviously in age, but just right now what they are. I think that there, there's DeClaire, a, there's a big
1: gap there. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's mainly due to the fact of I think Line a, Line a has I think DeClaire honestly may be a better play driver than than Line okay. is. And maybe this is maybe this is giving Line a too much credit, but Line a has a history of scoring goals and has an ability to outproduce his expected goals for total because of having high-end skill, and I don't necessarily see Anthony Duclair having that same high-end skill, but he no. does drive shots and drive chances in a way that the Ducks don't really have. Now up on the screen for those of you watching the Twitch stream or those of you watching the YouTube video of or YouTube recording of this podcast, you'll see I have up on the screen the single-season RAPM charts with Ricard Raquel and Anthony Duclair for last season. And you can see, well, yes, you can easily see the, the negative Uh, in expected goals against per 60 and Corsi against per 60. You can also see that in terms of play driving, uh, in terms of shot or shot quality, Anthony Duclair was better than Ricard Raquel in that aspect. And I've made no bones about this, that Ricard Raquel was a really good forward for the Ducks last year. Even if the production wasn't there, the chances were there, a whole lot of signs were there for him uh, having a good season. And Anthony Duclair was better than Ricard Raquel. And I I think that's Mm -hmm. all you really need to know. And you put him on the left side. I mean, that that's a hole for the Ducks, and that's one that he would fill significantly for this team. Um, and like I said, he's 25, so he mm-hmm. kind of fits in the the younger. He, he's kind of in between the 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 core of uh, Hampus Lindholm, Cam Fowler, Jacob Silverberg, uh, Adam Enrique. He's kind of in between that group, and then the Troy Terry, Sam Steele group. And I think that I'd be more comfortable signing a guy that's 25 than a guy that's 30 with this group.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's even an argument. I mean, I, I'm like stuck on this Line thing, but last season I think Duclair was in some ways a lot better than Patrick Line. Now um, you're making me now. pull
1: up the RAPM chart for Line versus uh Duclair. <laughs> and that's now Uh-oh. on the screen. And okay. I mean it, it it, plays out like I like we talked about that Line in terms of shot generation, in terms of chance generation not great. Actual goal scoring very good. And that's kind of the book on line A is that he, he doesn't really do a whole lot outside of score goals. But,
0: well, go ahead. I, I think in a way, I think in a way, Duclair is a version of that is all I'm really fair, trying to say. Fair. And I'm, I'm I'm just stuck on the don't trade for line A train, I guess. Um, But yeah, so to circle it back to the Ducks, I think Duclair is, what I like about Duclair is, in a way, he's kind of this blank canvas where you see the strengths, but if you can get him into an environment where hopefully it's a more sound defensive environment than Ottawa was, although we don't know if the Ducks are necessarily that much further along, then maybe he can keep up in that respect and his talents that he already has that the Ducks are so devoid of that maybe he can really bring that element that they're missing of a, of a true sniper, of a, of a goal scorer. And of course, I don't see him as becoming a 40-type goal scorer, but I do think that he he's just going to give you that shooting talent that every roster needs. Just a guy who can bring it down the wing or a guy who can make a, a cutback move in the offensive zone and just snipe one. And, and he's potentially that kind of guy for them.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, real quick. Uh, Heyo D Flo mentioned asked, do these uh, metrics account for linemate quality in terms of RIPM? My understanding is evolving hockey's no. RIPM charts. Uh, I think that they, do they try to, I think they try to isolate the whole, player performance. Well, with-
0: the whole The whole point is that they try to remove the noise from that. Correct. So it is factored in, but the idea is to distill it down to the most purest representation of their individual performances.
1: So, yes. So that's kind of what I'm saying is they do account for line mates, though, by taking that out. So you can compare these two without having to use the conversation of exactly well, this guy played on this team this guy played on this team so they do account for what how the quality of your line mates and you can do a straight comparison of these these players with these tools uh, on evolving hockey
0: mm-hmm. yeah so it, it's an interesting conversation and it's definitely the one that and i will say this just because here i go again with the spreadsheets but if you look at the so j fresh who j fresh hockey who's a really good follow on twitter has a tool called the War Roster Builder. So essentially, you can build your own roster using Evolving Hockey's Wins Above Replacement. And so far, of the guys that we've discussed, the only guy who increases the Ducks' projected standing points is Anthony Duclair. So I have plugged in Granlin and Howla, and at times they've actually decreased the projected standings points, but Duclair increases them. So that's... I'm not saying that's the end-all, be-all, but but it's something to keep in mind. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's. Uh. Did you have anything else on Duclair? Nope. Anything else you wanted to to touch on? Nope. Okay. Let's talk about someone who has been. He's been quite the interesting career arc, Andreas Athanasiou. So at times, it's felt like in Detroit that the Red Wings have wanted nothing to do with him, despite his analytics darling type profile, right, where he's just crushed it in the minutes that he has gotten, and yet he's never really gotten the the true top end opportunities. And he's 26. He just turned 26. And, you know, with the Oilers last season, an environment where you might have thought that he would have really thrived. He only had one goal in nine games. Now it's a small sample. But if you go back to 1819 with the Red Wings, where he did get that opportunity, he had 30 goals in 76 games, and he had 54 points. So it's funny how each of these players has that one standout season, right, to some degree. And with Andreas Athanasiou, there's there's no debate on that. If we go to his projected contract, again, this is w- within the RFA realm, which doesn't really apply here anymore, but it would have been 2 times 3.5. So almost exactly what the Duclair deal would have been. So what's your thought on Andreas Athanasiou? What do you think that he could bring to this roster? Does he make sense? I
1: mean, Athanasiou, what he brings is straight line speed. That That's his game. I mean, for anyone out there, He's that, very fast. He's very, very fast. That's basically what he's known for. Uh, the, the main issue with Athens is, I'm looking at his RAPM charts right now, is he doesn't really do a whole lot in terms of anything. Uh, <laughs> it it, it seems like the goals basically came, and let me confirm actually what his uh, shooting percentage was during those seasons, but it almost feels like it was just a high shooting percentage season for him, and they're not exactly uh, repeatable. Yeah, he was shooting 13.9%, so not a huge, huge amount when he scored 30 goals, but still a, a, a pretty significant amount Um, Especially when you look at the fact over the last couple of years, he's more so been in the 8% range, which feels Mm -hmm. more so right for him. So I'm just not sure really what he would bring to the table. Now, granted, he's also 25, so he could improve his game. Maybe there can be uh, steps taken. And if you look at the underlying numbers on him, they're not great, but he was on a bad Detroit team for most of those seasons. And that kind of plays a part into this. Um, And it's not as if the Oilers either are that great of a team at five on five. So no. I'd say he's less likely to make the Ducks better in comparison to Anthony Duclair, but I don't if you can get him once again on a cheap deal, one year, two year deal, I don't think it's de- it's necessarily a bad thing, especially with the idea that he's still young enough where if it doesn't work out, you could probably trade him for something of value. And and I think that's right. the key aspect here is that no matter what, you'll probably be able to move either you or Duclair. Athanasiou mm-hmm. honestly is probably more movable than Duclair is for a couple of different reasons Duclair would be what his fifth or sixth team at this point in time and I feel mm-hmm. like there are less teams that would be likely to take a chance on him whereas Athanasiou if he signed with the Ducks that would be his third team and the Oilers it was only 9 games so I feel like there would be more teams out there likely to give Athanasiou a shot um, if it doesn't necessarily work out so um I think that's not a bad move, but I don't think it really helps the Ducks out in any way uh, at all, basically.
0: Well, what's interesting with Athanasiou is that his most recent season with the Oilers and, and with the partially with the Red Wings, he really fell off a cliff. His offensive game yeah. uh, really took a nosedive. He was still good at driving offense, and he was still a good shooter, um, but he didn't... He just didn't ignite offensive play like he has in the past. But if you expand your your sample a little bit to the last three years, he still looks very good in terms of on the power play, even strength offense. He's a good shooter. He's a good playmaker. He's just... I mean, the reason why he's kind of in the position he's in is because he's just so pitiful defensively. I mean, that's always been the rap on him. But he is a guy who I think right now... Is a little bit undervalued because of the most recent season that he's had and just kind of the rap that's been on him. Yeah. Thanks, to, thanks to the Detroit year. So he's a player who I think you could get on a cheaper deal, and if you're and if you do hit, if he does show that last season was more of an anomaly. I mean, he could really inject some offensive juice into the into the Anaheim lineup, and that that is interesting to me. Yeah. I don't. I. I mean, I think right now him and Declare are kind of equal in my eyes, although. Duclair is coming off the better season, but I think Athens, if you look at the, tr- if you look at the trend with Athens, CU, I think that last season seems more like an outlier. And given his age, he's probably due for a bounce back. He's still within his prime. I'm just not now, really
1: seeing a whole lot. And now granted, it's kind of the, this. Mm-hmm. I think we're looking at a couple different things here. And what I'm looking at is not really showing a whole lot, but he can definitely bounce back and do more than what I'm saying. And I think, that's kind of the key thing to to add to what you're saying is that I don't disagree with you. That's not exactly okay. what I'm seeing, but okay. I do agree well, with the fact that he can bounce mm-hmm. back, and he is young enough to be able to do that. I think Duclair. Well, I think Duclair mm-hmm. provides a, a shot generation that and offense generation that Athens CU does not. I think that's the key mm-hmm. key difference there.
0: Yeah. Well, so if you look at evolving. Uh, hockey's goals above replacement in terms of the last three years. So for even strength offense, he was in the sixty fifth percentile, mm-hmm. which is not elite, but it's it's pretty good. And defensively, twelfth percentile, which for anyone out there, not good. Power play seventy fifth, penalty kill twenty second, goals per sixty ninety sixth. Yeah, <laughs> and then in terms of primary assist per sixty fifty eighth. So, so you you get the picture there of a player who's not elite in terms of driving play, but he is capable of getting his own offense at a high rate.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the key thing there is that I'm more so looking at play driving. You're looking at more so production. I think that that's the little bit of difference there. And I think that mm-hmm. if he can regain that goal scoring form that he had, if he can find that scoring touch that he had, uh, that would be a huge gift for the Ducks. I'm not exactly confident in that. I'm not as comfortable in saying that will happen due to the fact of him having a high shooting percentage in the season, they did well. Whereas I mm-hmm. think it's more likely he's going to be in a little bit of a middle ground, but even if he is in a middle ground puts up
0: 15 to 20 goals,
1: that's a big plus for the ducks.
0: Well, the thing with Athens, is that his baseline, even in a down year, was still an above average shooter. If you just look at league wide. True. And True. so his, his range for bouncing back could be very interesting. And so, I would probably still have Duclair over him. Yep, They're both flawed players in their own ways. And so I, I think that there's, you definitely have an argument in terms of you know, Duclair over him. And with Athanasiou, there's ways to look at it as, as him being a positive as well. Now, the last name on our list, so Tyler Johnson. Now, what is, where did this name, how did this name get to us? This Just name, to refresh my memory. This name got to us, both Lyle Richardson
1: and Eric Stevens mm-hmm. had mentioned that the Ducks are the interested. Ducks, so, so this
0: is more. This is more of a reported thing this than is, just. Yeah, right, this this is
1: not speculation. This is mm-hmm. from various different sources. The Ducks are interested in Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson is currently under contract, though, with the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Lightning. But the Lightning have made no bones about it; they are looking to get rid of him um Mm -hmm. they are looking to move him they have put him on waivers and are looking for a team to take that contract off of their hands they did not want anything in return just put him on waivers and no one claimed him he is currently uh 30 years old and he has four years left on his deal at five million dollars a year um and so the ducks basically are interest but there would need to be money uh retained in order to make it work so if the Tampa is able to retain, and at max they can retain, uh, 50% of the salary, if they were able to retain, get it down to, two and a half, three million for the next four years, maybe the Ducks would look at doing that. So, mm-hmm. I don't really know, um, how confident you are in Tyler Johnson's ability to, uh, continue the play that he's had into his late 30s. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily sold on it
0: though. Yeah, I, he's a guy I would stay away from. Even though there are qualities to his game, um, it's really... so. And and just to list those qualities, he's an okay play driver. Um, he's a good shooter. He has become accustomed to playing against decent competition. Uh, but he is not really that good defensively anymore. He doesn't give you a whole lot on the power play. And even though he has some skill to his game, which you would think, logically, the Ducks need more of, it just... Even on a really good Tampa Bay team, it doesn't translate to to excellent results or even to even to okay results and if you if you consider the price tag that it would take to acquire him, I just don't see any way in hell that it makes sense for the ducks yeah agree or disagree I
1: completely and totally agree with you on that it just it, it doesn't make any sense and I think you look at age I mean to be honest, I would not be shocked if the ducks did this deal.
0: I would not really be... well. Well, So just to clarify, what is the mechanism for the Ducks acquiring him? Do the Tampa Bay Lightning have to retain some salary to yes. make this work? That, that's basically okay.
1: what will need to happen, because like I said, he was put on waivers. Anyone could have claimed him and not have uh, to give up, have had to give up anything for him. No one wanted him at his full cap it. So, right. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. Tyler Johnson at two and a half to three million. Sure. Decent player. Yeah. But yeah, for four years, eh, that is very steep taking him. Like that is the exact type of deal that the ducks shouldn't be giving out right now. They shouldn't be giving a 30 year old 4 four years.
0: <laughs> right. And, and, and that's kind of the issue with it. And <laughs> well, but, that, but you just, but they just signed Kevin Chatterk. Well, and having, so
1: yes, having said that I could very much see the ducks doing this because it's bringing it's bringing in a guy that just won a cup it's cup pedigree it is the thought process of he makes the team better right now which give or take he probably does maybe i'm not even quite sure on that he i mean you can let me know what jfresh hockey's uh war generator has uh in terms of the impact of bringing johnson but mm -hmm. i i'm skeptical of it even making the ducks better right now but i think you can definitely play it off to the fan base as you're you're making a move to bringing in a guy that just won a cup. That was a pretty decent contributor um, on the Tampa Bay lightning. It's not as if he was just a fourth liner. He was a guy that had been on the T- Tampa Bay lightning for years, had been a pretty good player on Tampa for a couple of, of years. He's, I yeah. mean, he's, he's had, he's past his prime. He's 30. He put up 31 points this last year, but had 47 points the season, the season before 50 points the year before he had, I mean, his best season, he put up 72 points. Like he's had a pretty good career so far but mm-hmm. he's not nec- he's going to probably settle into the 30 point range It is probably 30 or 40 points is where he'll end up which is mm-hmm. what the ducks have plenty of honestly right now mm-hmm. they have a lot of guys that probably will end up in that 30 or 40 point range and it's not as if and to me if you're looking at having a guy that's going to be in 30 or 40 point range trust your kids play keep, right play sam Steele. play max jones well well, also
0: what what are the what are the ducks bringing him in? What, what role are they bringing him in to fill? Like, where is he going to play in the yeah. lineup? Um, because right now, if you plug in, so again, this is just me plugging him into a sheet, right? This I don't want to make this sound like this is the end all be all, but the Ducks' projected standings points actually goes down with, with Tyler Johnson, right? So it either goes down or stagnates depending on how you you organize your lines. But the point being, they already have four centers right now, right? With Derek Grant, Ryan Getzlaff, Sam Steele, and Adam Henrique. So what do you do with Tyler Johnson? Yeah. Where do you put him? It, it, there, there's just, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because they already have a bunch of centers. They've already committed themselves to this core. This is going to be an unpopular take, but are you prepared for it? Sure. You're You're going to disagree with it. I think it would make sense for the Ducks to trade Ryan Getzlaf this upcoming trade deadline. So let me be perfectly clear: I don't necessarily
1: disagree with that. I don't think it's a bad decision, for, like for making the team better to move Ryan Getzlaf. Mm-hmm. The thing I disagree well, the, with, the thing I disagree mm-hmm. with, is I think that there are some outside factors in that that play a part, yes. and I think that Ryan Getzlaf being a career Duck is very important. And to me, I think that outweighs what you could get at yeah. the deadline. And I think that my, is the key difference there.
0: Mm-hmm. My, my issue with Brian Getzlaff uh-huh. is that he's still, I think, thought of among, even among this front office and in the fan base in league-wide as a guy who can play top six minutes and can still be this kind of, you know, excellent contributor. But he really he really hasn't been that the last three seasons. I mean, he's been he's been bad defensively. And I don't know how much of that is just not, you know, being... Uh- fully caring about that aspect of the game given the way the team is rebuilding he's still very good offensively he's still a good playmaker he's you know a lot of the things that we know Ryan Getzlaff for he still does them very well but I don't know if he's a guy who you can really put in a top six role anymore unless you're really insulating him and even then I just don't know
1: yeah and apparition chimes in our twitch chat saying Getzlaff has a full NMC so most likely that does not happen. I I understand. Uh,
0: But at at the same time, if you listen to some of his comments about, you know, the possibility being moved, I think he's the kind of, I mean, again, this is completely me speculating at this point, but I'm just saying he, he does seem like the kind of guy who, if the team approaches him about that and he's getting the message that they're looking to go a different way, he might just, he might just uh, take that as, okay, I'm going to go give it a shot somewhere else. I think that his, primary option what he would prefer is to stay in anaheim and finish it out there but i don't know and again this is really me reading deeply into what he said but it doesn't sound like he's completely ruling out that possibility so yeah. and and that and that is a, that is a clear hurdle um, for any of this to happen but with ryan getzloff he still has a lot of name brand value he's still a guy who so- can't can bring something to the table but i think if you look at the ducks arc right now of where they're trying to be, especially if they're out of the playoff race by then, um, they need to really upgrade down the middle because Adam Henrique is really their only bona fide NHL center right now because Ryan Getzlaff, yeah, he does do some things really well, but he's not really a two-way guy anymore. And Sam Steele is still finding his game. Derek Grant is terrible at five on five. So (laughs) they haven't, they, they have a bunch of centers, but they don't really have any elite ones, close to elite ones, and that is an issue. You can't win in the NHL. You can't win now without guys who are in the upper echelon down the middle.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So I think <laughs> it's about time to, to have a little bit of a word from our sponsor. So this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Um, autumn's in the air, and Manscaped is here to ensure you don't carve your pumpkins when you're grooming. And I hope everyone had a good time carving their pumpkins recently. Um, and by c- pumpkins, though, now we actually mean your boys downstairs. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way you approach caring for your balls and great news. And this is actually actually nope, not fully relevant. They just released their products in the UK, Canada and Australia. Um, so, Felix. What, what's your opinion on the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0?
0: I have absolutely loved it. Um, I've had issues in the past with different different mowers, different devices to to, to trim up. Sometimes, you know, they, they can make you, they, they, they irritate, right? They, they don't really work that well. But with the way that Manscaped has designed this product, I don't have that. With the LED light, I can be even more precise than I have been in the past. And believe me, that comes in handy, uh, especially when you're dealing with delicate, regions so i highly highly recommend it
1: yeah i i definitely highly recommend it also i actually went ahead used mine yesterday um cleaned up my chest hair you know i'm a little bit of a hairy man wow. uh clean Huge. cleaned up a lot of different places um and it was great and also their crop mop ball wipes you never know when an opportunity <laughs> strikes so you should always be prepared plus you don't want to stink when you sit around after that thanksgiving dinner you know thanksgiving is coming up we're all gonna eat a yeah? lot you're gonna be sitting there you want to make sure you smell nice afterwards and also all the different stuff that they have all the different cleanser cleansers from the crop mop the crop cleanser the hair and body wash um, the ball deodorizer all of it the formulations are all vegan cruelty free dye free sulfate free and paraben free so you know your manhood is in good hands so you get 20% off by and free shipping if you go to manscape.com and use the code ctp so you get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code CTP, make your balls a priority this fall. So thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring this show.
0: Yeah, and remember, that's the code CTP. So mm-hmm. very, very important. Very important. Yes. You're going to help us out if you use that. <laughs> so where do we want to go next with this, Felix? we got a
1: couple different things that we can hit on. We have one little uh, fun segment that will take a little bit of time. Well, I
0: think that, uh, why don't we... Why don't we roll that out? So the fun segment.
1: Yes. So we've been mentioning uh, a little bit now that uh, anytime or we keep mentioning defend the nest whenever we talk about the San Diego goals. Good buddy, John Broadbent runs that website and he keeps throwing it out on Twitter, kind of answering some of the stuff that we mentioned. So John and I were actually texting uh, in the past week or so that why don't we just do a little bit of a defend the nest segment? So it's a little bit tough with him being in New Zealand, getting him in for any little segment or anything like that. So the easiest way for us to do this was basically send him a question. He recorded an answer. We're gonna go ahead and play it. Hopefully, it plays through people. The Twitch chat. Please let me know if it is not playing, and we'll also insert it into the MP3 so you can listen to it. So uh, here is the very first time that we're doing Ask the Nest. Is I believe what we're gonna be calling this segment, Ooh. and it was a Ooh. question that we got for actually our Patreon episode that we figured we'd throw at John. Of what do you think the question or what do you think the chances are that the goals? We'll make the playoffs next year. And John gave us a really well thought out kind of answer going over all of the different teams that he views in the goals division. So here we go. Let's take a listen to that right about now.
2: Hey guys, thanks for this awesome and hard question. Um, and by the way, I hope you're all doing well and wearing your masks and um, keeping safe. It's a bit scary seeing what's going on there. Um it's like Felix said, yeah, we've we've done pretty well with it. It's kinda of like the zombie apocalypse, who whoever thought being on an island. But um, yeah. Um so, back to the question, will the girls make the playoffs and could they win the cup? Um it's a hard one. It's all dependent on how this season goes in terms of when if if or when it happens. Um the current rumors are that the uh Canadian teams will move their farm teams north of the border, so that would mean Bakersfield and Stockton would not be in the same division, could be a bit different, in which case the Gills might have to play Iowa and Texas in addition to the other teams, I don't know, that's all I know, but anyway, um, let's just assume that the Pacific stays as it is, um, I have my top team as the rain, um, LA's farm team, they are just stacked. Um Rasmus Kapari, Carl Gunstrom, Jarrett Anderson Dolan, though he might graduate. Um Gabe Verardi, Alex turcott is making his debut, Tyler Madden making his debu- debut, same Sam Fagamo, Akil Thomas making his debut, Aiden Dudas, Mike Yesimont was pretty good last year, uh Bjornfoot we all know about, Uh, Sean Doozy, Kyle Clegg, and they made some good signings. They got Mark Ault from the Eagles, who's good veteran depth, um and would provide leadership on their blue line. And Troy Grosnack who used to was playing for the Barracuda at one point, I think, and he used to gave the give the girls a lot of trouble. Um so yeah. The Rain are without a doubt gonna be the division winners. Um and second I would put if they stayed in this division for the season, um, the Condors, which is Edmonton's farm team, um, they've got some pretty good... They, they, they've got all the same names as last season, essentially. They've got Joe Gabrandella, um, Carol Maximoff, who I wrote about in an article as a trade target, um, Raphael Lavoie making his debut, uh, Cooper Morodi, Cameron Hebig, Tyler Benson, Alan Quine... Even Kayla Yamamoto might spend some time there, though he'll probably be with the Oilers. And Philip Broberg might come across. Um, Ethan Bouchard. And Oliver Rodriguez making his debut this year as well. So, yeah. The Oilers' talent is coming through. It's just, yeah, it's coming through this year. Um, And then third, I'm possibly... It's possibly Homer pick, but... Um, I'm putting the goals... It, it, it could be third or fourth, but... Um, I'm putting them third for here. Um, and yeah, I've been listening to your podcast and I know you're saying Zegres and Comtois will probably be with the Ducks, but if they're not, I'm putting them on the goals. First line, uh, with Bryce Kindop. and then second line, Jack Opeka, Lundestrom, Polteroski, third line, Antoine Moran, Sam Carrick, Vinny Leteri, who they signed from the Rangers and was their leading scorer for their farm team last year. Some good goal scoring that they need. Um, and then they've got Benoit Gru coming through the season. So Benoit, Olivier Gru, he'll be... I've put him on the fourth line with Chase DeLeo and the other signing they made, Max Gollard. Um, and that's not counting guys that haven't signed, like Chris Mueller and Alex Dosti, and Corey Traup, Um And Blake Piedel is in there as well, but he's not signed. Um, and then on defence, we've got Mahura, Gouley, Walensky's come back, uh, Benoit and Drew with possibly Huck and pa, um, and that's not counting Axel Anderson, who comes comes in this year, but uh, I'd need to see more of him before I could see how much of an impact he could make. Um, they've also not got Scott Meldon back under contract yet. Uh, and it all really depends on goal. Um, so as you guys have been saying, it's looking like Dostal's coming across. Um, I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, having listened to some previous goals podcasts via the their uh, play-by-play guy, um, they, I think even before it was revealed that Boyle was signed signed elsewhere, um, they made it sound like that was a done deal, and Dostal's coming across. So, yeah, looks like it'll be Dostal and Eric. Um, so fourth in the division, I'm putting the Roadrunners, which is Arizona's team. Um, they've they've still got some good talent there, and they've got some surprising talent coming through. So. They've got Tyler Steenbergen, Hudson Fashing, Michael Bunting, Blake Spears, and Lane Peterson. Those are all some pretty good players they had last year, it's Still, and they're back again for another year. Um, and coming through, uh, making their debut this season, um, Macelli, um he had 12 points in 12 games with uh, Ilivas, uh, the same team that Dostal's playing on, that's so far this season, 12 points in 12 games. And um Jan Yennick, uh 2018 third rounder, who had fifty-six points in twenty-seven games in the OHL last year. Um and also Victor Soderstrom, who his he's on loan to the Elv Elviscan, so that looks like he's he's definitely coming over. Um and Aiden Hill and Net with Ivan Prospostov. So yeah, they'll be good again this year. They they will give the girls a run for their money for that final playoff spot. So yeah. Top four go through. On the outside, I'm picking the Heat, who have pretty much the same roster as last year, but a whole bunch of guys graduating and nobody good coming through. Um, the only person of note coming through I can see is Matthias Emilio Peterson, who had 35 points in 36 games with the University of Denver last year. Um, but other than that, it's all the same, and they weren't that great last year. Um, next year will be interesting for them, though, because they've got... Jacob Pelletier, and Dustin Wolfe. Um, and then, yeah, San Jose, the Barracuda. Um, they're going to have Jacob Middleton graduating to the Sharks, I'm picking. So that'll hurt them a lot because he, he ate a lot of minutes for them. Um, but coming through, they've got Ryan Merkley. He had 76 points in 60 games with the Knights in the OHL. So uh, it's a one-for-one one kind of thing, I guess, though Merkley's more offensive. So... Um, but other than that, it's just another year of experience for the rest of their group. And other than um, Blackfield and Watts they don't really have a heck of a lot else. Um, and the other teams is the Colorado team, the Eagles, and the Vegas team, the Silver Knights. So the Eagles, um, they, they, it's funny because so we all know that they, they signed Sherwood, and that's really sad, but... Looking at their roster, I can kind of see why he went there now because they don't have a lot of options, so he's going to get a lot of chances and a lot of ice time. Um, Martin Carlt is their best option. Um, he, he saw some NHL time last year. and yeah, Next year, they got Bowen Byron coming through, though, so that'll be scary. Um, but yeah, pretty much all of Colorado's talent is up with the big club. They don't have a heck of a lot in the minors. Um, and yeah, Vegas... Same kind of story. Uh, Cody Glass, I expect to go up to to Vegas as same as Zach Whitecloud. So that just leaves them with Lucas Alvinas and Thomas Yoko. Um, Keegan Colas uh, was okay for them. But I don't know. It depends on how, how well he does. Um, but other than that, they don't have much else. So, yeah, there you have it. Um, I'm picking the goals to make the playoffs. Yes. Uh, whether they do any damage, I'm not as confident as I was about them last season. Um just because yeah, they could have had Jones, Terry, all of those guys. Um but now they're all they're um they're not eligible. So yeah. Here's hoping that they do get Ziegress though for a good portion of the year, because that'll be super fun to watch. Anyway, good to talk. Um feel free to send more questions my way. Cheers.
1: So that was Ask the Nest. So thank you so much to John Broadbent for doing that for us. We're hoping to do that a little bit more. If you have any questions, send them our way. Also, make sure to tag uh, John Broadbent in those tweets. Also, he runs the DefendTheNest account. Um, also, check out his website, defendthenest.com. Really great work by John over there. Make sure to go check it out. That was him that just did all that. Obviously, he's from New Zealand, does a really good job uh, keeping up with the goals. And so, thanks a bunch, John. Miss you. I hope you're doing great um so we'll do that again throw us throw us questions for the goals and we'll give that to john we'll do that some more we'll do we'll try to do that each episode if we can
0: absolutely yeah. huge thank you to john and uh i'm sure he's doing great because i don't know if you've seen new zealand but uh they're doing great right doing now. doing pretty they're, good they're doing awesome we should just uh, go wa- we, sh- we should I, just I've go been... over
1: there and do the podcast over there you know <laughs> go, go, go to new zealand john has a nice <laughs> little bed and breakfast over there that we can just stay at you know have a good time yeah
0: yeah we can go catch a rugby match you know with with full fans in the stands i mean that's we we can we can really uh turn back the clock to 2019 seriously essentially. and john can make
1: <laughs> us all look bad playing roller hockey john is very good at hockey
0: yeah yeah well you know it's a it's a pretty low bar with us too but uh that, anyway that is, that is a good point <laughs> um so real quick we got
1: two more questions to get to before the twitch chat one we can hit pretty quick it came from mcquinnon it's one uh, we're going to get a fair amount as we go through this off, off season. But uh, he asked us, do you guys think Trevor egress is an Anaheim duck full time next season, regardless of role? Um, and can and then also asked, can he even play in the AHL after signing his ELC early this year? So I'll hit that, that second point. Yes, he is eligible for the AHL because he has never played in junior. He is eligible to play in the AHL right away. As for my opinion, I think he's going to be up and down. Um, yeah i i I, I think he's i think he will make his ducks debut next season however i'm not sure how long that will be he is eligible for an entry-level slide so that does play a part in it also which for those of you that don't know that means basically if he plays over i think it's 10 games or more um Mm -hmm. his contract will happen this year if he plays 10 games or less in the nhl then his entry-level deal will slide
0: but we've also seen the ducks not not care care about about that. that Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's with weird. Isaac Lindström. Yeah, yeah, so I don't totally know how well, much we should factor that in. Comtois, they didn't but, care either. Comtois, they burned it, a year. Yeah. yeah, Comtois is the other one that I was thinking of. But uh, yeah, the point with um, the point with is, I think, is exactly what you're saying: is that he's gonna, he's probably gonna get good chunks of time with Anaheim, and he's probably gonna have some chunks in San Diego. That's that's kind of what they've done with all of their prospects. Now, Trevor Zegers. Maybe just so good in the NHL that they don't do that with him, but I wouldn't be shocked if he spends some time in the AHL. Yeah,
1: I agree with that.
0: So, do we know? Do we know what jersey number Trevor Zegers will wear? <laughs> this is a completely random question, but you're, you're throwing me a curveball
1: here, and I like it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> That's um, what I'm here for. Well, let's see. So he wore the number thirteen for Boston University, and it mm-hmm. looks like he wore 21. um i think his number it looks like his number he's all he also wore 11 he was 11 yeah he, he wore 11 he wore 13. it seems like he's kind of been all over the place in terms of his number but i would expect 11 or 13 to be the the number that he will <laughs> you're probably just choosing take. those yeah, yeah
0: well both of those should be available to him and the ducks will love that because they love their players having lower numbers i think he was 53. At the World Juniors? Could be wrong about that. I but, don't um, think so. I think he wore... I, I,
1: I think he wore... Th- oh, yeah, no. He wore... Maybe. You might be right there. Uh, no, he wore, 20,
0: he, he wore 21. He wore 21. He's Yeah, 21. So if he chooses to be 21, he'll have to fight David Backus over it because that is currently taken on the Ducks roster. My
1: bet is 11 or 13,
0: but who knows? I mean, yeah. the, the Ducks are notorious for not giving a
1: player their number until they actually mm-hmm. make the roster, especially if it's a really low number. Yeah. My bet is he ends up, I mean, 53 honestly could be the number he goes for. Uh, is- are you forgetting about one Max Contois? Yep. Definitely forgot. I mean, what if Contois changes his number? You
0: know, is this the year Contois changes his number? Cause he's, he's, so he was 44 in junior and Michael Delzato has been 44 uh, on Anaheim and I mean, even Max Contois' Instagram handle has 44 in it. So I'm guessing he wants 44 pretty bad. You would think so. I, this is my this is my niche prediction of the season. Max Contois switches to 44. Write it in stone. <laughs> write just, it in stone. Just,
1: write, just put it there for everyone so to So
0: that could open the door for uh, Trevor Zegres um, going with 53. Now, what is interesting, and now this is completely in the weeds, but quite frankly, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, Troy Terry. Oh, wait, wait, think- wait, wait, wait!
1: I already have a number oh. for you.
0: That he switches to? No,
1: Trevor Zegers. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. His number's fifty-two on the current Ducks roster.
0: Aha! Uh-huh. So they they investigative they th-
1: journalism right here. They, investigative they journalism.
0: Th- they thought that they could sneak one past us. That shame on the Ducks for that. That, that you know, is in, if you go it, to totally the Ducks. Kidding.
1: If you go to the Ducks website, go to team and go in the system. There is oh. one Trevor Rest wearing fifty
0: two. I love that. I love that you just did that. You yeah. know that that that's that's why we keep you around here. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Just that's kidding. the that's it's the, the it's it's the only reason.
1: So he'll probably um, wear fifty two this upcoming year, and then eventually switch to like eleven. So
0: 15. I don't know if we're breaking news here. We probably aren't, but oh, okay, yeah. I don't know when this happened. When did this? When did Vinny When did the Ducks sign Vinny Latari? Well, because he's. <laughs> Because he's not there. John
1: Broadbent mentioned that in the defend the nest segment. Oh, so that is,
0: happened on the 9th of October. Yeah, that but happened.
1: I, I, and John made sure to talk about that. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. Jokes, could not hear that as that played. Yeah, sorry. So, <laughs> that's why <laughs> yeah. that's a little bit off there. But yes, yeah. And Vinny Lettieri, Lettieri or have you? Okay. It.
0: Well, there you go. Also, another candidate for changing his number is Sam Steele. Thirty-four. I don't know if he wants a goalie number forever. I could
1: see thir- a guy in the thirties staying in the thirties. So who knows what? What, what? what was going to be your locked in in bet on Troy? You meant we're mentioning Troy Terry when I found the no, no. Augustus. My locked
0: in bet is that call swaps to forty four.
1: Troy Terry I, probably goes away from sixty one.
0: Yeah, well, he's been 19, 19 his whole career, and I think nineteen makes a lot of sense. Now, of course, it's a lower number, and so by the way, Sam Steele was twenty three and junior, so maybe he sticks with thirty four because he likes it, but. With the way his last season went, maybe he's itching to for a little change, and he goes maybe. back to twenty twenty three where he experienced so much success in, in junior. So, yeah, this you know honestly, this is the thing I'll be watching. I don't care about anything else. Just I, I want to see jersey numbers. Jersey How numbers will is
1: what I live for, honestly.
0: They That's matter. What I live for. They matter. Um, yeah,
1: although although uh, apparition mm-hmm. brings up, if mm-hmm. it's not a question that Troy Terry stays at sixty one, Ricard Raquel. Has stayed with his number in the sixties,
0: correct? But I would argue that guys who don't get a ton of success right away, they prefer changing, mm-hmm. or if, if the opportunity presents itself. I could That's be completely fair. wrong about that, but yeah, right now in the system, you don't see any other jersey. Well, now to be fair, right now the in the system page for the Ducks still has Key for Sherwood. So true, true. Uh, it also maybe has not the most trouble. Oh, uh-oh! What is going on here?
1: That is weird that Thrun is there. Do they have any other guys that were playing? Because I thought Trevor Zegras was there because he was had just signed, so they maybe threw him in. I there. love how
0: Jacob Larson is on here. <laughs> just as a well, well Kevin these, Boyle is still on. These
1: here. are guys that aren't. Yeah, so that's old, but I mean that still yeah. tells you that the Ducks assigned Trevor Zegras the number fifty-two.
0: So maybe this. I mean, who knows when this was written? This could have been written last. I mean, before. The shutdown, or, or shortly after the shutdown, who knows when this was actually yeah. entered? But yeah, so fifty two makes sense because fifty three was a possibility. It's not available. We don't think he'd get a lower number. So I love how Axel Anderson has not been assigned a number. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So love to see it.
1: Um, oh, uh, Sean Seabolt asks us, what's the best number on the Ducks?
0: What what do you what is your wow. number? Why? I guess it's personal being, preference. So my favorite number on the Ducks?
1: Yeah, or just number in general for for someone to use.
0: Um. Well, it, see now you're now you're asking. These are not simple questions. No, they're not. It depends on your. It depends on your position. These are it the hard hitting questions that we
1: that we get paid to answer, Felix. These are the hard hitting questions.
0: Honestly, these are the toughest ones because I would say that if you're a flashy skilled forward. Right, you I have think a, so, a,
1: you have so a, many hi, of these rules.
0: A higher number can look good on you. Sixty-seven looks good on Ricard Raquel. If you're a more of a stay-at-home D-man, right? If you're a if you're a guy who loves to chip the puck off the glass and you don't really bring a whole lot defensively, I think a low number can suit you just great. Um, if you are a we have defensive center, I think sometimes, huh?
1: We have the exact opposite ideas of this. <laughs> for me well, high numbers are are nobodies
0: no th- th- that's so wrong 88 ever heard of guys who have worn 88 it's still feels ever heard bad. of a guy who's worn 99 ever heard of guys who were 91
1: nah 99 99 is a bogus number no one wore it that was good right
0: yeah oh yeah not at all ever heard of 66 ever heard of that one uh, <laughs> you couldn't be more wrong about that i'm sorry like uh, you, you ever just ever heard of a guy wearing you, number nine yeah, but that's in the that's in the 40s and 50s. That's 60. That's completely different. There there have been and and that's totally valid. Number nine guy, is my favorite guy number. A guy wearing number eight. Yes, like I'm not saying that there aren't that there aren't forwards who w- wear low numbers and are very good. There are plenty of them, Hall of Famers, in fact. But I do think that a high number can look great on a on a skilled flashy forward. That that's you know. And especially the ones who have problems defensively. That's the full <laughs> package right there. I'm basically describing myself as a beer league player. Yeah. Um What
1: what number do you wear again? I forgot. It's nine. been so long.
0: Well that's the funny thing is I wear nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and I I'm both just going are in against... the
1: single digits.
0: Well, you were hold on. You were two? I wear two. Which is dumb. I mean, I'm sorry. Like hey, I, I'm sure so... you have good I'm sure you have wow. good reasons for it. It's just but my number. Two... Yeah, but you're a forward. Two so? forwards don't wear two.
1: Number two did not come from me playing hockey. That number, that actually way back came from me playing little league baseball and water. Yeah, well,
0: polo. Gu- guess what? You're not you're not playing so, either of those sports anymore.
1: That's my number.
0: <laughs> I mean, fair enough. I'm just saying, I don't think there are any forwards in the NHL currently who wear two. Probably I would not. even venture. I would even venture to say that there are no forwards in both the NHL and the AHL who wear two right now.
1: God, now you're making me look up actual information here. <laughs>
0: If someone wants to look this up, please, by all means, let me know, but I will die on this hill. Well,
1: it, it's it been my life goal since becoming, or since like really starting to pay attention to the ducks is to be able to get a ducks jersey uh, with the number two? two on it with a player uh, that's actually decent.
0: Wow. A, so you, so you're there, saying Brendan Gooley isn't decent.
1: I, I do not want a Brendan Gooley Jersey.
0: Brendan Gooley wears number two. And, uh, if you look at his underlying metrics, he's he's decent. Or has been decent. <laughs> he wasn't decent last year. I do not uh, want a Brendan
1: Gooley jersey. But I mean, for the longest time there was not a duck that wore num- had worn number two. I believe there was What Ken about Klee? what about what about Ken-
0: so so you're saying you wouldn't wear a Kevin BX a number two jersey? No.
1: <laughs> Ken Klee wore number two for a couple games for the ducks. <laughs> And then there was a good couple of years without a number two. And then Eric Brewer came in and I think wore
0: number two. I don't know. I think he was three or I could no, be totally wrong about that. I think but
1: Eric Brewer on the ducks
0: wore number two.
1: Now I got to make sure about this.
0: Yeah. But here's the common thread of guys we've talked about. They're all bad. Not, no. Well, sure. But they're all defensemen. <laughs> well, yeah. N- n- none of them are forwards. Yeah. So I, you're wrong. J-
1: just give me a good player wearing number two so I can get okay, the jersey Okay, well, damn it. can
0: I answer the initial question of who has the best number on the Ducks? Sure. Sorry. Uh, um, Sidetracked. You will completely. There's a lot of bad numbers on the Ducks. I think that you can't go wrong with uh, Cam Fowler wearing number four, right? I think he wears it for Bobby Orr. Could could be completely wrong about that. But four is a good look on him, right? Smooth skating defenseman. It, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. So good on him. For sticking with tradition. Um, outside of that, you know, fifteen for Ryan laugh it, It's iconic, so I, 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 you know, I let him have that. Here's an here's a number that I like, and this is very random. Twenty six on Andrew Agazino. It's a good look. It's because twenty six. I think Marty St. Louis. I think skilled smaller forward, and uh, Andrew Agazino. <laughs> Might not be the most skilled, not to Marty St. Louis level, but he's listed at 5'10". So maybe he wears 26 for a reason. Who knows, for Marty St. Louis.
1: That was out of left field.
0: It's a good number. 26 is yeah. a good number.
1: Um, For me, favorite number on the Ducks, probably Saku Koivu with 11.
0: Just looked Oh, great. well, I thought we were talking about the current roster.
1: Oh, I don't know. <laughs>
0: what the heck? It just said oh. best,
1: The question was just best number on the Ducks.
0: The best all-time? I mean, it's probably, ooh, Solani I would eight. say Solani eight. Solani 8 or Korea 9. I mean, the two that have been retired. Um, or I always really liked Jaguar 35 for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I always just, just like that. I liked Frederick Anderson 31. Gibson um, at
1: 36 always I've, I've found looks good I've, because of, I've, because of I've Jaguar having 35.
0: It. I've never liked 36 on it. It just looks weird. It doesn't look right. 36 isn't a, a classic goalie number, but I do like it for Gibson because he's not really a stereotypical goalie, right? In the way he plays, he's super athletic, not always orthodox. And so it makes sense for him. I it, It's grown on me for him. Yeah. You know, a number that I've always hated, and this is gonna be my last one before I move on. The number I hated the most that just didn't make any sense. Five? No, Matt Bileski, 39. That's a goalie number. Oh, that was that was a number that
1: was given to him. One hundred percent.
0: Well, like Jakob Silverberg's thirty three, goalie number, but for whatever reason it works for him. Fair enough. I
1: don't know. Now I don't, I don't, does, I don't have a big say. Now on.
0: going off of a question we got though regarding Silverberg, does does Silverberg still work for the Ducks? Basically so, yes. contract.
1: So good listener of the show, hey O D good friend of the pod who's in our Discord, sent me a message saying, uh Here's a question for you for the, the show on Sunday. Is Jacob Silverberg worth his contract? And this stems from uh, uh, the RAPM charts that I threw in our Discord chat um, of his last three seasons, and how he's barely like a half a standard deviation above average in uh, many of the metrics shown. Um, and basically he's like, I almost feel bad because he's one of his favorite ducks, but it's an interesting point of discussion when you compare his metrics to Raquel and notice how much worse they are. So I'll get up on the screen actually, uh, while you kind of start going on this topic, the comparison between uh, Ricard Raquel and Jacob Silverberg that Heyo flow is talking about. So, what are your thoughts on this to start? And I think also, he, I, I mm-hmm. and also just to be clear, I just want to lay out what his current contract is and how much it is because that is uh, a big part of this conversation. And so I believe he has four years left on his deal um Mm -hmm. he has yeah let's see so this upcoming season he has so he has four years left on his deal at 5.25 um in each of those years for the cap hit
0: i think he's still good i don't i don't really have any big issues with silverberg i think that there are elements of his game that are maybe taking a bit of a downtick he's not necessarily as good offensively as he used to be he he's not as much of a shutdown guy defensively but he's still a good player. He still can do things. And I think even last year, we saw you know a bit of an uptick in his offensive game. And he's not, he doesn't really bring a whole lot on special teams, which is a bit of a bummer because he's so good at five on five and he has been for a long time that you would think that maybe he could, I don't know, bring some of that, especially on the penalty kill because he is so good defensively at five on five. Um, but that just doesn't seem to translate for whatever reason. But I think overall... He's still a very good player. He's kind of just the quintessential second liner where you know almost exactly what you're going to get, right? He's he's a bit he's capped out offensively. He's he's probably not going to hit 30 goals, but he's going to give you consistent play driving. He's going to keep the puck out of his own his own end. He's just he's a very good reliable yeah. player and that's the kind of player that coaches love and Unfortunately, he's a bit of an he's on an island on this Ducks roster because there's there really isn't another player like him on the Ducks.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so now up on the screen real quick, you've got the multi-season between Raquel and Silverberg. You can see the difference there. Silverberg is much better defensively than Raquel, who's negative uh, defensively, but offensively just does not drive play, does not score goals in the same way that Raquel does, um, even if the goal's Uh, are there the actual chances a lot of things going towards it over the last three seasons haven't been there now this past year if you look at it um, they're a little bit closer in terms of actual goal scoring um, and goals for per 60 Um, but in terms of actual chance generation Raquel is a fair amount better but the same thing occurs where Silverberg's better defensively and so my biggest issue with, with Silverberg isn't necessarily I think he's probably getting paid the right amount yeah, Honestly, I think he's I, right. He He's right on value, I think. I, I think he's on value. I guess my concern is the term in the fact mm-hmm. that there are still four years remaining. He's a guy that is currently 30 years old, um, just turned 30. So he's going to be starting going into the downturn of his year. I, I think if this was a three-year deal, so we were entering year two of three, I'd feel a lot better about this. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm concerned about the final two years of this contract when he's, 32 and 33. I think that mm-hmm. that's where a concern comes in because I think defensively he's always going to be fine. But if he drops off and is in the 10 goals scored and it that's about what he's generating also, I think then that's kind of an issue because if he's only getting 10 goals, then he's not necessarily a second liner for you anymore. He's more so no. in that third line role. And that's kind of what the Ducks have a lot of. And so that's my concern. I, I think this upcoming season and next season, uh, or the season after, I think it will be fine. I think he'll probably still be in the 20 plus goal range, but it's those final two years. And that's always been my concern with this contract is the, the fourth and the fifth year.
0: Let me ask you this. Who's the Ducks best forward right now? Probably Ricardo kell in my opinion. Okay. But do you think he's any lower than let's say three Jakob Silverberg? No, I think he's second. Yeah, I think he has to be. I think he has to be top two. So and I, I might even argue top one. <laughs> one, one
1: thing I want to touch on real quick is Apparition asked us about uh, players falling off with us mentioning this. He asked, do players fall off at 32? I always thought that was around 34. Or so because of besides no. fully physical players like Perry. So no. So actually, players start falling off around 29 it is when you see scoring production start to fall off. And it can potentially start falling off a cliff completely depending on the player at 32 ish is is in my head kind of what i have but the production starts to to tail off you're en- exiting your prime around 29 years old in terms of your scoring prime is what we've seen historically. yeah 29
0: to 30 maybe some yeah. guys 31 but yeah yeah
1: and apparition hold on i'll find an article and i'll link it in the twitch chat for you so you can see that aging curve uh documentation kind of that we're talking about um, and Sean Siebel asked, what's his injury record? Not so bad, right? Silverberg actually was injured a decent amount, I think early on in his Ducks tenure. But since then, he's been pretty mm-hmm. good in terms oh, of yeah. injuries. He, he's he been pretty healthy, has played a fair amount of hockey, uh, for the Ducks. I'm looking at his games played. He's consistently in the 70 plus game range for the Ducks outside of, um, it looks like basically 13, 14 was the only season that he played underneath. Uh, 70 games in a full season and that yeah. was I believe he broke his wrist that was his first season with the Ducks and he hurt him uh, hurt his wrist during that season yeah so... the, the,
0: the thing with Silverberg is that there's nothing I guess sexy about his game right but he mm. is just so reliable and he can be so effective in multiple facets of the game whereas Raquel I think he's just so he is very good offensively and he's good at getting his own shot and his shot is very potent but he doesn't he doesn't bring a ton else outside of that and that's fine you you can't have guys who do it all all the time right you need specialists and I think that's what Ricard Bakel is at this point
1: yeah exactly
0: uh,
1: um, so yeah. yeah so if anyone in the twitch chat by the way has any questions start throwing them in um, I mean let me ask you this how do you feel about Silverbrig though in the contract overall
0: so I think again I, I think right now the keys the way he plays, I think he it's he's probably worth his contract. Maybe it's a little of an overpay because the offensive production isn't really there. And I think the way contracts tend to be decided is, is by offensive output. But if you dig deeper into what he does overall, I think that it, he's definitely worth it. And so right now it's fine. It makes sense for what the Ducks are trying to do, get back into the playoff hunt. And yeah, on the back end, it could take a slide. But even then, I think he... For example, a Ricard Raquel. I think this is a good comparison to make. Ricard Raquel is, in the last three years, has been a very good finisher. He's a good shooter. He's a guy who drives offense and has also been good on the power play. But once he ages, for example, we don't know how how he's going to be able to get that kind of offense maybe once his athleticism wanes a bit. Whereas Silverberg, I think he's going to at least still be able to bring you something, for example, defensively as he ages. And I'm not saying that I'd rather have Silverberg than Raquel. They just do different things. But I I think there's a, there's a world where Silverberg does age rather gracefully.
1: Yeah, no, there, there definitely is. And so actually, so I found that article and I threw it in our Twitch chat, but there's one quote in there that comes from Rob Volman uh, from Statshot, which is a very good book highly suggest everyone, uh, if you are interested in analytics, go check it out. It's a good primary. It is a little bit dated. It was pre-expected goals really being a thing, Um, but it's still a great uh, great tool to be able to read to kind of understand and break down some things. And actually, uh, Rob Volman now is actually employed by the L.A. Kings, and so that kind of shows you. The, the quality of work that he did that he was then hired uh, by uh, the LA Kings. And he put out a lot of great work that I believe is also available online uh, for you to go check out. But he had this uh, quote from Statshot. Most players hit their peak by the age of 24 or 25, then decline gradually until age 30, at which point their performance can begin to tumble more noticeably with the risk of absolute collapse by age 34 or 35.
0: Yeah, which, I mean, that makes sense. But I think yeah. for a lot of people before that came out before that kind of became more thought of people thought that it, your third prime, prime extended. Yeah, exactly. That thirties when you hit your prime or, or you know, that those late twenties, but realistically it's, it's sooner than that. So, yeah.
1: So here we go. Something we got a couple questions. Sean Seable asked, in your opinion, what does each kid need to change slash fix to take the next step or reach their ceiling? So it, there's a whole lot there, but let's just key in on, Oh boy. Real quick. I guess let's try to hit this quick. What do you think
0: Troy Terry needs to do to change, to help him take the next step? I think Troy Terry is the player who needs to do the least to take the next step. I just think he needs to shoot more. Okay, I mean that's really well, it because he does everything else well. Well, let's hit this rapid fire. Sam Steele. I mean, I don't even know where to start. Okay, he just needs he needs to be better in all facets of the game. Okay, Max Colmtois. Back check. Uh,
1: Max Jones.
0: Uh, I don't know. I think he's, he's, I think he kind of is what he's going to be Max Jones. So I I don't know if there's a whole lot there. I mean, he, I think if the more he can add in terms of skill, he can maybe increase his offensive ceiling.
1: Yep. Um, Josh Mahura,
0: get a well-rounded game. He does. He already does good things offensively, but he's to earn that trust. He's going to have to really bring it defensively.
1: And now the most fun one for me, Brendan Gooley. (laughs)
0: <laughs> really very similar to Josh Mahura, but to a greater degree, he needs to get much better defensively.
1: Yep. All right. Let, let's end with this question. We got this one from Operation. said kind of curious what you guys think the ducks will do with their goalie situation after the season with Anthony Stolar supposedly being the next great goalie. Um, I believe he, <laughs> he might, I think he may be talking about Lucas Dostal there, not Stolars. Yeah. Let me, let me know operation if that's what you meant, but I believe you meant Lucas Dostal. Uh, do you think after this season, they make him the starter and trade Gibson or have them as a tandem for a year or two? So let me start on this one. So <laughs> I, I think that Dostal is probably going to spend the entire season in the AHL. And I think that that is something that could be extremely beneficial um, for the goals for Dostal with everything that he's showing, because Dostal is absolutely killing it um, over in Finland right now. And, um, yep. And so I don't know if you necessarily want to trade Gibson and anoint Dostal right away. I think maybe you, you you're you more open to the idea of trading John Gibson, but it's not simply because of Dostal. If you can get a good return for Gibson, that helps you out significantly. Having Dostal makes that a little bit easier to do, easier to swallow. I don't know if Dostal's ready to be a starter next season, though. He's a guy that's still going to need a couple years to get seasoned in the in North America. There is a transition coming from Europe, especially Finland isn't actually European ice. I believe it's a mix between North American size and European size ice. It's a, like halfway between the two of them. So the angles do change. So he's going to have to be able to play over here for a little bit to get used to the angles. And honestly, goaltending is one of the positions that really has to to make some adjustments because your angles are completely, completely different. If guys along the boards, it's completely different play than uh, in North America than anywhere else. So, by the way, currently he has a 947 save percentage over in uh, Finland. So he's very good in a good Um, league. Yes. So I think he's going to be the AHL starter for the next year or two. And then maybe you bring him up and start making it more of a tandem situation with Gibson. And yeah. as Gibson starts to hit his late twenties, early thirties, it becomes a tandem. And maybe you do look at trading Gibson. Maybe you do what uh, a team like Tampa Bay did where they move Ben Bishop.
0: Um, and, yeah. and or Game I mean, the I mean look at the, t- look at the Canadians. I mean, that's yeah. in this scenario, Lucas Dostal is Carey price and, Yaroslav Halak was the older prospect. But I am a bit more on the side of just, why not just have a really good tandem indefinitely, right? Unless, yeah, you can trade Gibson for value and then move off of that contract. But I would love to see that tandem. I think that'd be excellent.
1: Yes. Let me ask you this. This is one from Lewis. I don't know the answer to it. So I'm curious if you know. I'm trying to Google it really quickly as we go. Why Why do other leagues... In the, in the world have different ice rink sizes? As in, why is there a North American size versus an Olympic size?
0: So, well, in North America, so North America didn't have a standard ice size up until, I don't know, the 90s, maybe even late 90s or late 80s. But back in the 70s, 60s, going back, different teams in the NHL had different rink sizes. Part of the reason that it was so difficult to play the Flyers when they first came up was playing in that barn, the Broad Street Bullies. They had a smaller rink, and so you had no room out there. And with their physical style, made it really tough. So the standardized size in North America is very recent, and I'm just guessing that those two things evolved um, at a different at a different pace. And then the double IHF chose to go with that size that they use in Europe, or I guess Europe just chooses to use the double IHF size. I'm not really totally sure there.
1: Yeah, I mean... But that's a really good question. (laughs) Maybe it's a situation of um, uh, different play styles also and uh, bigger size. I
0: I like both. I think that both have their merits. Yes, Um, they they definitely... I'm not... There's people who say that the NHL, to fix their problem of getting more offense, should just go to bigger ice. And I don't know if that would necessarily lead to a better product. I think that there's a lot of fun in a smaller rink and these just crazy rushes that can happen these battles i think it's a lot of fun
1: yeah uh agreed and i'm honestly i'd like to watch more Finnish hockey to see how it is over there with the fact that they are they're hybrid Mm -hmm. they're not as wide as olympic ice they're not as narrow as um as north american as an nhl ring so Mm -hmm. i'm curious as uh, a beer league player i prefer the nhl ice because it means i don't have to skate as much
0: <laughs> yeah well i love the the so i love the the international ice because you can make these crazy stretch passes and cross ice passes which for me yeah, probably I, turn into turnovers but you know yeah i, I don't i
1: don't like getting the puck along the boards and feeling like i'm so far away from the net
0: personally <laughs> just let but. it rip
1: yeah, you're so far out that it's going to turn into a turnover. I have, I have to tell save.
0: Jake to shoot so many times when we play.
1: Do you really? I feel like I shoot the puck enough.
0: You could always shoot more. You can always okay. shoot more.
1: I'll, I'll remember this. I'll remember this next time when I'm get shooting your, a bunch. Get and, your shot uh, attempts for 60 at up. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> I think that's going to do it for tonight. We've, uh, we've turned this into basically an hour 45, Felix.
0: Well, that's what we're here to do fill up (laughs) airtime. Well, in all seriousness, thanks everybody for listening. Um, Like I mentioned off the top, it's been a crazy year. It is mercifully winding down, hopefully to bigger and better things. So we really do appreciate everybody sticking with us. We are going to get back to hockey at some point, January, February, whenever that will be. And I'm sure that the Ducks will have things to announce. We'll get probably the Jersey announcement at some point. So they're there's some good stuff on the way and we'll find ways to keep it interesting with guests, different things like that. So stay with us. And if you do enjoy what you've been hearing, there's a, there's a number of different ways that you can support this show. So the one that we really do appreciate and that does benefit you is our Patreon page, which we talked about earlier in the show. So there are two tiers uh, you know, where you can be a patron. So for a dollar a month, you get access to our patrons only Discord chat. This has been a lot of fun, especially when we have a lot of news coming down uh, the pipe. So things like free agent frenzy, the draft, right? We get reactions in there. We get all kinds of really awesome conversations going. And especially, you know, I think in Southern California, if you are a diehard hockey fan and you're really into the, the nitty gritty of the game, or you're trying to learn looking at it maybe from more of the way we do more of an analytical side. And it's not just numbers, but I test tactics, different things like that. Uh, this this Discord chat really does give you a good community to, to kind of delve into that and find out more. So that's that's for a dollar a month. It's a buck. Now, if you want to up the ante here and go to $5 a month, you still get access to the Discord chat, but you also get two bonus episodes a month. So if you enjoy what we do here, uh, you get that even more on the, the bonus episodes. And on those, we can really go and dive deep into topics. So for example, the one that we did recently, we just took a look at the Ducks roster for next year, kind of player by player, projecting it out, looking at, you know, it, whether or not this is the the way to go for the Ducks to be trying to make the playoffs, you know, it's some kind of bigger picture questions. Of course, part of, I think, the benefit of that show is that because it is uh, just for a select audience, we are a bit more unfiltered, so there's a lot more banter. So if you enjoy kind of more of the, the comedic aspect of the show, if there is any, uh, well, you definitely get that with the bonus episode. So that's for $5 a month, and that's at patreon.com slash crashthepond. Now, another way that you can support us that's completely free, uh, just search Crash the Pond on the Apple Podcast app, and you can do one of two things, or both, (laughs) I guess. Uh, You can just pull up the name, pull up the show, just leave a five-star rating. That is always appreciated. It goes a long way, but you can also leave a rating and leave a review. These listener reviews, first off, we love reading them. It's great to hear from you guys, but also they really do help us climb those rankings and help us keep the lights on over here. Um, so that is really appreciated. That's at the Apple Podcast app. We're on all of your favorite uh, podcast platforms. Spotify. We're on YouTube. YouTube.com/slash Crash the Pond. Jake posts the Twitch stream on there, and we have a good little community going there in the comments. Jake will Jake will respond to your comment. Keep that in mind. Um, so if you're if you're on YouTube, if that's how you like to consume your podcasts. Uh, make sure you're subscribing there and uh, turning your notifications on so you know uh, when those episodes are going up. Although, spoiler alert, typically it's going to be Monday mornings. Monday
1: 6 a.m.-ish, right around there.
0: Yep, and as we talked about in the middle of the show-ish, I I don't even remember when that was anymore, but if you are looking to up your grooming game, uh, use that code CTP at checkout at manscaped.com and you get 20% off of your order and you help out your favorite podcasts. Yep, I'd um, say it's a win-win.
1: Definitely. Um, that everything?
0: I think that's it. We talked about S- the Twitch stream, right?
1: Yep. So the only thing that I really want to add is everyone make sure to go out and vote.
0: Yep. So on that note, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Hope you guys have a great week, and we will talk to you at the next show.
1: Bye.